What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. What's going on, everybody? What's going on? Thanks for Jeff Goodman to show up here. Eventually, we'll see if he actually does. Uh, he's not a fan of, uh, of ever being on time or ever um, trying to uh, trying to be reliable. Hold on. Let me send him the link. Give me one second. Bear with me. Hey, there he is. And Jeff's here. Jeff's going on. What's up, man? Not too much. Are you driving? Are you pulling a Robbie Hummel on us? I'm driving. I got to pick my daughter up. She, um, she, <laughs> we had a fun, entertaining day. Uh, she was set to go to a, uh, her, her high school, uh, basketball and hockey games at noon today, but we had a little mishap of her, uh, driving out of the driveway. She plowed into a snowbank, which is not a snowbank. It's an ice bank and the bumper. She didn't even know she did it. Like, that's how baffled she is. So, literally, my wife is watching from upstairs. I had told her, I was walking the dog, and I said, hey, do you want to wait? I'll be back in 10 minutes, and I'll pull your car out of the driveway. Because usually she parks on the street, but this time she parked in the driveway. So, she's backing onto the the street. And uh, I guess... She hit the, the like snowbank next to the driveway. She didn't like pull straight out. She pulled out and then like cut it too soon, and like the whole bumper came up and she didn't even know it. She's like driving, and my wife saw her from upstairs and she called her. She's like, "Yay! Like you, you hit your your bumper!" Like so then she drives by me coming back to the house, and the bumper's like literally like I can hear her coming. Because the bumper is like dragging on the on the street. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, what is going on here? So I was not so we didn't let her drive to that game and she's covering a uh, Boston College UMass Low hockey game tonight at six. So my wife dropped her off and I'm picking her up because Lowell's not the greatest area. So I wanted to pick her up. It's you know, it's gonna be nine eight thirty, nine o'clock, so I just wanted to pick her up. So that's my day. <laughs> well, she drives exactly like I would expect a good <laughs> no, I, I don't hit anything. I, I really, actually, years ago I did. I, I played bumper cars off a few things. I hit a car in a, um, in a parking lot years and years ago, and then I hit once in the Boston Garden in the garage. I nailed a, um, I nailed a, a like a, like a pole, a big pole. But I've never hit a moving – I don't think I've ever had an accident with a moving car. How about that? That's impressive. You did uh, one time, I remember, 
um, you ran out of gas while driving on the highway while driving home. You've done that multiple times. Uh, I've done that many times. Yeah, I do that every year. I mean, the only reason I haven't done it in the last year is because really there's been nowhere to go. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about today's slate. Where do you want to start? Is is it Oklahoma? I think that's the place. To start. Uh, yeah, maybe. I almost feel like no. I think it's my Creighton Blue Jays, Robert. Yeah, I think that's where we start. I think because you know what. You and me have both kind of said, we're not there yet with Villanova, but we're going to get there, right? We're going to get there to where they're going to be the number three team in the country. They blow out a Marquette team that you have hated all year, and I'm ready. I'm ready to say Villanova's back, and now Creighton just takes it to him, and Marcus Zagorowski finally looks like the healthy first-team All-American Marcus Zagorowski, and if he plays like that, Rob, and he had confidence. It was just moving better. You could see his body language is better. If he plays like that, Creighton's capable of beating probably anybody other than Gonzaga or Baylor in the country. Yeah, I mean, it, it's never been. And we got Jahan's man out here. He hosts our Welcome to the J podcast. And uh, Hell, yeah. Crazy. How about them Jays? How about them Jays, man, right. huh? Big time. Big time. <laughs> that was a big win. I was just saying. Like, yeah, that's huge for Marcus. Like he he needed that for his psyche, for his confidence. Like he needed some, a game like that to feel like he's back. I was just saying on our, you know, welcome to the J locker room edition. Um, he just had a bounce to yeah. a step yes. today, and yes. literally, like uh, I liken him to, you know. Uh, Whenever a guy gets that confident, and obviously I've witnessed guys being really confident, I've played alongside Jesus, Doug McDermott, and yeah. Ethan Roggy. When guys get confident like that, there is a bounce to their step that is kind of unusual. And I saw that from him literally from tip-off all the way through to the game. And even when he got checked out with like a minute and whatever bit left when he was getting congratulated on the sidelines, I was like, man, he's yeah. really, really feeling himself today. And that was just so nice to see for a guy who – has had so many injuries, you know, so many things kind of go against him. And in a weird year, in a COVID year, where he doesn't have a chance to get his legs under him with, you know, preseason and, you know, getting to know, you know, the newcomers and all that stuff. And, and, um, and you know, everything that come with this year, he looked really, really good today. And he looked like his old self. So that was just awesome to see. And Villanova looked just average. I mean, Creighton was great. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But you still expect Villanova to go toe-to-toe with Creighton, even when they're making shots like that, or at least I do. But the more I kind of see this Villanova team, the more I don't know if they're any different than all the other teams not named Gonzaga and Baylor. Like, I feel like you. I thought Villanova would be there. I thought they'd be, like, not Gonzaga or Baylor, but, like, the next tier by themselves. And now I don't think they're going to be. Hey, Jeff, I have a question for you, and it might be a hot take on my, you know, from my end. And I'm obviously biased. I'm obviously going to be Jades for life. So you guys in the comment section, please don't kill me for this. But is Villanova not built to come from behind? Do you kind of get that sense from them? Because of how much they love to control the pace of play. They're very opportunistic when it comes to running like you know the jays they're going to run make or miss they're trying to fly it up the court but villanova yep. their fast break opportunities all always come from defensive stops obviously they rarely take the ball out of the basket and try to push up the pace and try to get a quick shot 
Jay Wright has always been so diligent about the way that he wants his guys to play. So if, is that a hot take on my end by saying that Villanova, in my opinion, is not a team built to come from behind, especially if they get down pretty early, kind of like they did today? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Like, in, in the past, they've been able to do it a little bit more. But you've got, you know, like, I like Colin Gillespie, but I remember having an argument with Fran Priscilla a year ago in, in uh, Myrtle Beach in November. And I'm like, I just, I think, I think Gillespie's a good, solid point guard, but he's not Ryan DeArch. He's not Arch. He's, you know, yeah. and, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl is a really good player, but he's not a guy that's going to be able to play fast and, and really get up and go. So, yeah, I, I, you know, if they're making shots at a crazy clip, and that's what they have to do. But you're right. Coming from behind is not going to be their strength because um, they're not they're not Virginia, but they're also not a team that's going to be able to to really run and gun with you. They'll make threes. They can do that, but they're not able to outrun you. Yeah, I just I kind of get the impression. Obviously, I played against you know a Jay Wright team before, so I I felt that way when I was in college as well. But the more and more that I've watched them, they are such a dangerous team when they get the lead on you, when they're able to really play at their pace, which is more or less a little bit old school in the sense that he's got a bunch of half-court sets. They run them to perfection. They rarely make mistakes. They move the ball. They're unselfish. They play the right way, all that stuff. But if they're down six, if they're down eight, if they're down ten, I don't know if they have you know that or if they know how to play at that pace where look guys we need to push it up we need to get quick shots which are still going to be quality shots but we just need to do it at a quicker rate yeah and and the big thing with them is always like people kind of thought since uh especially like the 2018 team um we'll put up numbers what's up roger um so the the uh the 2018 team put up such high scoring numbers and shot so many threes um it felt like people kind of assume like, hey, this is a team that plays fast and an offensive juggernaut or whatever. Like, that's not really what they do. You know, they walk the ball up. They're, they're trying to play at like a 65-possession pace. You know, it's, right. it's – it's, so when you play like that and you play that style, it's kind of like you're great when you're playing from the head. Uh, but when you don't have a great defensive team, like it's kind of it's kind of hard. Well, I appreciate you getting letting me speak on, you know, on your side of things, Rob, Jeff. You know it's late for me what, over what here, time so is I got to get to that. What time is it, Jens? What do you uh, have? 2.55 a.m. I got two <laughs> practices tomorrow. But, you know, the boys come first. You guys know that for sure. <laughs> get, get, get some sleep, my man. Get some yes, sleep, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon, all right? Always all right, you guys you. take care. Shout out to all the people in the in the chat right now. And how about them Jays? That's the last thing I'll say. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Love him. Love him. Talk about a devoted uh, Creighton Blue Jay fan. There you go, Jahens. Um, you know, what What was the other biggest thing for you so far today, Rob? Oh, all right. So we had Virginia. Um, they just finished off their win over North Carolina. I told you. Yeah. I tried to let you know that that was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, you did. You did. You called that and one. Zaga showed up yep. and, and just, you know, they beat the brakes off San Francisco. That one um, wasn't yeah, even one we're talking no, about. Good. Yep. Ohio State looked awesome against Indiana. Not, not not much of a surprise. Arkansas got themselves a nice win, uh, but for me, it's it's Oklahoma, and yeah. Yeah. I, I think at this point, like Oklahoma's in second place in the Big Twelve. Uh, they now have a win on the road at West Virginia after beating West Virginia at home. 
Um, and I mean, it's getting harder and harder to, to ignore just how good this team is, just how good they've been. Um, I, I think we have to really start talking about them as, as something more than just kind of like another team in the Big 12 is pretty good. And, and, you know, they keep getting these wins, and I, I don't necessarily know how they're doing it. And I, I don't necessarily think, like, they're kind of like Ohio State in a sense. It's like they don't have pro, uh, yeah. but they just no, keep but they winning got good games. Players. They, they're older, too. They're older. That's the other part for the most part. I mean, Austin Reeves um, transferred from Wichita. He was awesome down the stretch. Some of the shots he made. He can just – he's so smart as an offensive player in creating space. Right, like he's not a great athlete, but he plays angles. Uh, really, really creates space on his shot. Uh, and, and really, Oklahoma might be um, might have benefited as much as anybody by the the fact that the uh, NCAA allowed all these kids who transferred to play right away because those kids were waiting at that point. Gibson and Harkless were both waiting, coming from transferring up. Right, both of them. And they've both been really good pieces, even more than more. That. Like Gibson's been great, really, really good. Yep, yeah, he's been really good. And and, and um, Devion Harmon, just like the the on ball pressure that he provides. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're just so well coached, man. Like Lon Kruger, yep. um, I don't know who said it today. Someone said it on Twitter. Gottlieb, Gottlieb, Gottlieb. Yeah, like yeah. he he said it, and and he's right. And um, so underappreciated. I, yeah, I feel like people realize it, but we never really like talk about it. You know, it's never really a thing where it's like, okay, well, he got a team. He, he turned Buddy Heald into this player that he is, and got that team to the Final Four. And um, it was the it was his Illinois team that that Bill Self took over. Am I correct? Yep. Or have that timeline yep. right? Yeah. Um, took Florida to a Final Four. So, like, I mean, he's just awesome, man. Um, anyway, we got a, we got another guest here. Shaman, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Uh, I could be doing better. <laughs> doing better. I tell you that. Two straight. Two straight better. bad ones. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna say two straight bad ones. I mean, the different, again. different. One was high scoring. <laughs> one was a high scoring loss. The other one, you guys were on pace to score twenty points at the. I think it was at the twelve minute mark of the. Like literally, you had four points. It was like what? I mean, I know Virginia's good defensively, but man, some of those shots that Carolina was missing point blank. You can tell it was in their head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, we weren't able to capitalize offensively on the interior like we we needed to do this evening. Um, I thought this, you know, I thought this would be uh, an interesting game to see where we were. I mean, we didn't have an opportunity to play against Miami uh, Monday because of of some of the things that transpired after the Duke win, and so uh, really wanted to see. How people would, how the players would come back and, and respond after uh, a good win. But you're playing against a great basketball team, defensive, a great defensive team, first and foremost. Um, and a lot of times when we got the basketball in execution uh, spots, we just weren't able to capitalize. And uh, it hurt us a great deal. And then uh, from the perimeter, from three point shooting, I mean, as a team, we were two for 16 to their. 10 for 22. Uh, they shot 45, you know, 40, 45.5% from the three. And um, when you're not scoring the basketball and the other teams shoot over 40% from the three, uh, it's going to make it a, a difficult evening. So 
Um, I guess it'll be back to the drawing board for us. Um, but um, I mean that you know, unfortunately. Jamal, what did what did you think? What was your take on the whole uh, Deron Sharp and uh, and Baycott deal? Uh, I really didn't pay it. I didn't really pay it too much uh, mind. I, I felt like, uh, you know, I I don't know, you know, what Coach Williams allows them to do and, and what not to do. Uh, so I thought it would be, uh, it would it wouldn't be fair for me to make a statement about what I feel like should be done personally. Uh, if there are team rules or there's things that, you know, that they're allowed to do, um, you know, coach may give them an opportunity to, you know, interact with, with other uh, student athletes, but they must wear their mask. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not privy of that information of what goes on in, in, um, within the I lo- team. I love you Carolina guys, Shimon. I love you Carolina guys stick together more than any group on the planet, like, yeah, and, and it's great. Yeah. It, I love it. I do. I, I love it. I, I, I'm gonna tell you this, Jeff. Yeah. I, I appreciate that because um, I, in my podcast, the Carolina Conversation, I, I, uh, I interviewed Adamola, and so he began to yeah. talk about a, a, a situation where um, Jerry was in the gym, and Michael came in, and so on and so forth, and. Uh, you know, he he may have embellished in what happened and or whatever the case may be. <laughs> but um, what I did not like about that was some individual took that conversation and posted it and tied a post to it that said something about a conversation that happened with Jerry or about Michael Jordan and so on and so forth. Yeah. And it, it kind of tried to make it seem like we were trying, you know, or whomever they were trying to objectify Jerry yep. and, and, yep. and and keep in like, you know, keep his greatness from being known and things like that. And, and yep. you know, I'm not a social media guy, but once I... No, no I you are chance, not. We, we, we <laughs> yeah, taught not. you how to use Twitter, you know. <laughs> exactly. About a month ago, Shimon <laughs> learned how to use Twitter. It's a big That's day. right. With, hey, with the help of you <laughs> and, and <laughs> you and a Rob. But yep. What I did not like about that, it, it seems as if they, they were trying to diminish the greatness of Jerry. And and they tried to use my platform um, to do it, yeah. uh, you know, and, and what Adamola said and so on and so forth. And so in my next podcast, I'm going to make sure that I, I, I make sure I say something about Clarify. this and apologize yeah. to Jerry and apologize to Adamola yep. because that's not the case. You know, nope. and that's nope. not that's not what we no, use that's how this you platform are. for. Yeah, yeah no, that's you, not what listen, we use our platform for. I love I love how you've done it with the family. I mean, you say it; it's a Carolina family, and and it is, man. Like like again, the stories of guys coming back every summer. Can I ask you one question? So, sure. when when you were there, right? Like they they I don't remember when it started. Obviously, under Dean. Where freshmen right. couldn't talk to the media at all, correct? That's correct. So, That's like, correct. how was that? How was that? Where guys did? I mean, you knew it coming in, I guess. But, but are you pissed off? Are guys pissed off as freshmen no. because other other freshmen around the country are getting their name out there? Even, <laughs> you know, like like are guys at all upset or not really? Do they not care? No, 
No, they don't care because that's care. that's just what Carolina way was. Now I'll tell you something that did would would that would that would piss you off or make you upset. You know, yeah. as a freshman, you come in and you you know you have these these pickup games. You got two courts going. You got pros on the court. You got guys that are currently playing. Freshmen, you may not get a chance to play at all. <laughs> you got to watch. Might, yeah, you might say, "I'm next. I'm next." And you might have next, and you may get you a, a group. And as you walk on the court to get the group, if an upperclassman wanted to play, it just tell you, "I got your spot." And like, what upperclassman took your spot? Like, oh, give me man. an example. It, it, Everybody. It's so, it's so many that you can't. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> and then, and then you were that upperclassman who took dude spots, right? Well, well, I mean, I, I, I tried not to. I tried to win. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> but if you didn't win, it, you know it was it, really it was like freshman day. Uh, I, I remember the first day. Uh, I give you a, a quick one. Harrison Barnes, his first day, he come he comes in the gym. Everybody oh. has on their Carolina stuff. He has on his Nike stuff. <laughs> so oh, yeah. he walks in the oh. gym. I say, oh. I walk in the gym. I say, I say, uh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, Harrison, <laughs> what, 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 what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, uh, look at your teammates and look at you. And he was like, yeah, I got on my got on my playing clothes. I was like, no, look, everybody has on practice stuff except you. You know, who who you know who are you? Man, go back in there and put your practice stuff on if you want to play. So he goes back out. He goes out. He comes back with playing. He has his practice stuff. And then he, he gets a chance to get rise. And as he gets rise, I said, I said, you know, t- dude, take his spot. Take his spot. He took his spot. I said, now you just go over there and you shoot on that goal by yourself and uh, until somebody allows you to, to play. And now this is this is Harrison Barnes. You know what I mean? He like, you know, but no different than Harrison Barnes. It happened for Shaman Williams. It, it happened for the Michael Jordan and so on and so forth. And and that's what, you know, that's the way that we were we were built. Uh, regardless of who you are, there are things that, you know, there are standards that we have within our program that, you know, that goes on, which makes us appreciate everyone. You know, we have no walk-ons. We have teammates. You right, know what I mean? Right. Yep. Yep. No, and we I, got, listen, and I remember, and we got too, a lost Shimon. <laughs> Shimon, I remember trying to get information out of your assistant coaches. And, like, every assistant coach on every staff wants to talk. Like, when I broke in and established a little bit of a name for myself and, and was doing recruiting. I knew every right. kid. So like everybody would want to talk to me because I had info then. And, right. and then like you try to get, you try to get information from these guys and uh, couldn't get anything out of them. Nothing. No, no. Coach Smith, man. I mean, Coach Smith, if you think about it, he was, uh, he was ahead of his time and how he did things. And he didn't want freshmen speaking to the media for certain reasons. Um, uh, we did med- media training, and so everybody was adequate uh, to to you know be able to uh, interact with the media. But it was just something that he didn't want to make sure that he protected uh, the freshmen from saying something um, that you know they may not may have not you know wanted to be known or said. Um, you know, because, you know, everybody's not as good as you are, Jeff. You know, you got some vicious people out here <laughs> that uh, 
that uh, I most definitely flip a story, um, just kind of like the, the gentleman did uh, with with our interview on our platform on the media. You know, I see you know feel the sixty eight media platform. So you know everybody's not privy um, to have that type of information, and they just want to make sure that the people that do. Um, you know, they have the, the respect and uh, and their interaction uh, for that person. So, Shaman, what do you make of the way that today's game played out? You know, I, I've always said that I think that North Carolina is uh, – or I'm sorry, Virginia is a tough matchup for North Carolina. You know, the way that the Tony's team, they, they play, they, they're not going to let you get out and run. They're not going to let you get post touches, and they're not going to let you get to the offensive glass. And that's kind of what uh, what Roy's teams have been built around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, are, like, are you are you worried about this long term? Is this just you know running into a tough matchup against a good team on the road and and things happen? Like, where are you standing right now after this game? Well, I, I mean, I'm I think that you know we're still a, a work in progress as a basketball team. I mean, yeah, the Duke game was great because it's you know it's a rivalry game and so on and so forth. But I, I, I truly wanted to see that we found our identity and and said, hey, you know what, um, even though this game dictated this, can we get back to our identity and do the things that we need to do uh, against a, a different type of basketball team? I mean, you know, when you play basketball, I mean, that's that's what it is. It's imposing your will on the, on the next team. And if you're able to impose your will on the next team, be it offensively or defensively, it's going to give you a chance uh, to, you know, to be successful that evening. Uh, Tony does a great job, and and I and actually I have a lot of conversations with Tony. Uh, I've had him in the past. Um, you know, we had conversations about offense and and things, and he asked me, you know, what you know about his style and what could he do better with his style and those types of things, um, and you know what the perception of kids could be about his style and and things like that. And so the one thing that I appreciate about Tony. But I also, as a competitor or a, a, a student of the game, it's like you know exactly what he's going to do. You know, you know what he's going to do. And so with that being said, how do you game plan against what he's going to do? And and that's where his greatness comes in um, for me because you know what he's going to do and most teams can't execute or take advantage of it. Um, but the competitor, the competitor in me, it says, okay, he's consistent in what he's doing. So what can I do to adjust to make sure that I'm capable of taking advantage of what he's doing? And so, you know, with, you know, like I said, within, within watching, not just Tony, but a lot of these coaches and, and what they're doing, um, I'm watching what they're doing and I give them much respect for, for the success that they have and what they do. Um, but as a competitor or a person that um, is wanting to be a head coach themselves one day, I'm actually analyzing what they're doing and saying, okay, if I know what you're going to do, then why aren't I capable of game planning and putting people in position to execute against what you're doing? And I guess that's, you know, that's, you know, that's the competitive part, but that's also, um, the challenge with within coaches as well. Isn't that what makes Tony Bennett so damn um, impressive? Because, like you said, like everybody knows what he's doing, and he's yeah. done it for so long and being good. And I know he gets crap for 
losing to UMBC, but he oh, also man. won a national title. <laughs> no question. No question. Well, I mean, he's, I mean, you look at what Coach Smith did. I mean, we were running the same offenses yeah. that Michael Jordan were running right, 20 right. years That's later. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of I mean? these so, guys, a lot of them don't adapt. That's what Rob and I were talking the other day. Bob Huggins has been incredible about adapting his, his complete style. Like, I mean, again, he takes over when, when he takes John Beeline's program and, you know, keeps the two, three zone. And now he's playing, right. uh, you know, he played with two big guys to start the year. Now he's playing with, with Culver in the middle. And so it's like, but a lot of these dudes really, like you kind of said, they, they go with what they know. And unless it's broke, they're not, they're not changing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's value, there's value in it. I mean, I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have your, your basic uh, things that you do. Um, I think you have to analyze who you are as a coach. And I think you got to analyze your environment. I think you look at Bob Huggins, you know, Bob Huggins isn't afforded the opportunity to have a, a bunch of McDonald's all Americans and things like that. So he has, he has to develop more than most coaches and he has to get people to buy into what he's trying to do. Um, I think he, I think he looks at his teams and he says, what's going to be best for this team. And he, and he implements that, um, you know, some, some coaches are in an environment where they're capable of going, getting some of the best talent and, when you have a lot of talent on the floor, um, then a lot of times it can be you're a successful basketball coach because of the talent. Um, there are some coaches that go and identify people that fit what they're doing and, and, and so on and so forth. So I think understanding who you are as a coach um, is it, it, the first thing, but then also being able to, uh, you know, cultivate uh, players um, or get players to buy in and, 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 and so on and so forth um, can be beneficial to you in the win and loss column. Um, you know, Tony, Tony's outstanding. I mean, Tony's one of those guys where people, people don't take this into account with Tony. As good as a coach as he is, he also has a selling point that most people don't take into account that he's able to use, um, which helps him recruit you know, Tony Bennett played in the NBA as well. And so here it is, you have a head coach that has has the, the you know, has the, the NBA um, uh, moniker by, by his name. You know, he, he said, yeah, I, I played in the NBA, you know, three years and so on and so forth. You know, I've been to that elite level. So I understand that environment as well. And so now you have a lot of kids that, you know, a lot of kids are – are wanting to have an opportunity to play at that level. And with Tony being able to play at that level, um, as well as be a point guard, he's able to articulate uh, those types of things to kids uh, when he's recruiting as well. And so, um, you know, Tony's capable of of doing a lot of things. I, I, I think, you know, like when I talked to him, I said it's hard to get out of si- outside of who you are um, because it is, in my opinion, if he played at a faster pace, he would be an individual that could possibly get a, a, a lot more McDonald's All-Americans yeah. and those types of kids 
Um, but you know, I mean, he's not doing bad. Um, keep you know, keep <laughs> no, the he's not. Down, he's, you know, keep okay. the tempo down and stuff like that. So you know, I understand that. But you know, a lot of people don't take into account. Uh, you know, people say, "Well, how is he able to?" You know, like he does a good job recruiting. How does he do this? I mean, he can he can talk the talk with the best of them, and he's not just talking. He's been at that level. And so when you start talking about, okay, can somebody teach you, you know, what it takes to be in the NBA? I mean, there you have a head coach that's been there. Yeah, but he's not he's not just talking it either. You know, like that's he's what got I'm saying. Track yeah. record to yeah, to, to prove it in terms of developing players, like. Joe Harris didn't come out of Washington as a guy that was like, yeah, he's going to be someone that gets a $75 million contract one day. You know, like Malcolm Brogdon, I don't think anyone saw him being a guy that – I don't remember if he won the rookie of the year or if he was, like, in the mix for it. But, yeah, so I, I don't think anyone saw him coming out of high school and was like, yeah, he can he can be a guy Mark that can go Few, out and rookie of the year. Rob, Mark, Mark Few told me the other day, he did, when I talked to him, he's like, yeah, we, we missed on Joe. He told me the whole story. He's like, Joe Harris's dad? came to our camps for like 25 years and was part of the drinking contingent at the end of the night that would hang around. And he's like, he brought Joe. Joe wasn't very good. He was hurt. Like, then I saw him again. He wasn't very good. We didn't offer him. And he's like, that was the biggest mistake I ever made. I'm going to, I'm going to eventually write that story, but like crazy. I mean, crazy that, that they didn't even offer Joe Harrison. He was in their backyard. But like you said, like, listen, I mean, you know, another kid who wanted to go, he just told me yesterday. That he wanted to go to Virginia? Jared Butler. Jared yeah. Butler told me he yeah. wanted to go to Virginia. Yeah. I, I I'm, offer, the, I'm the first person to offer Jared Butler a scholarship as a freshman. Is that right? Side. Oh, yeah. Really? Yep. I'm the first person to offer Jared Butler a scholarship. Um, wow. And uh, I thought Jared Butler was uh, really good. He played with uh, some other good guards. He was the, the young buck, but he did some great things on the court. And uh, um, uh, one night, uh, going over to watch a Riverside play, um, I called my head coach at the time, who was Ed Conroy, and I told him, I said, I wanted to offer this kid, Jared Butler. I said, because um, I think that he's he's going to be uh, a pretty good basketball player. And Ed had no issues with that because there was another kid that was in Atlanta uh, working out with Pebble Brook that I offered his first scholarship, and his name was Colin Sexton. So <laughs> Ed, knew, Ed knew that I pretty much had a good eye for for guys at that age um, because when you're in those situations, you don't have a chance to – you don't have a chance to wait till their juniors and seniors to offer them. Right. You got well, that's, that's that impressive because Colin didn't really break out until his junior year, right? Like I, I remember right. he was kind he, of like – he didn't break. Right. Yeah, he didn't break out. To, he didn't break out to America. Right. He right. broke out. Nobody broke knew out Shemar Williams' yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> as a as a he was going into his junior year when he was transferring over to Pebble Brook. Um, um, uh, Chad Babel from Nike gave me a call, and he was like, "I'm at this. Uh, I'm at this event, and I just watched the kid play. He was okay, Shemar. He was okay." He said. He said that you offered him. And I said, well, who was the kid? He was like, he's, he's, he's Colin Sexton. I said, I sure did. <laughs> he was like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Colin, Colin was a kid that came off the bench. I mean, even for his AAU team, he came off the bench. And the one thing that Colin and I had in common was, you know, I didn't start starting to my senior year in high school. And so what I would tell Colin was, look, man, don't, don't worry about what people can't see in you. I mean, I don't know how much it means to you, but you know I'm I'm a 
I'm a former NBA basketball player, and I like you a lot. And, you know, and I come spend time with you a lot. So, you know, hey, you know, don't worry about that. And then, you know, that allowed him to be who he was because he wasn't getting the respect that he felt like he deserved. So that allowed him to work. And um, he had, you know, Coach Washington believed in him and, and you know, lo and behold, God permitted it. When he, when he, when he broke, everybody's like, wow. I was like, well, wow. <laughs> but, you know, for me, I didn't have time. You know, when you see those kids that you feel like are are good players, and, you know, and I guess, you know, I'm able to project, but, um, you know, I just look at kids and I say, hey, you know what, I'm not so much worried about what they don't do right now because I'm capable of teaching. If you're capable of teaching, you're not really worried about what a kid can't do because you know what you're capable of helping them learn to do. And uh, and so a lot of times when I'm when I'm recruiting and watching, I look at some of the things that these kids have and I say, hey, you know what, this is what I can help them with. And, um, you know, those were two kids that I, you know, I was blessed enough to, to be the first individual to offer them college scholarships. I still think Colin Sexton did the, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen on a basketball court. It was the uh, the game at Barclays when um, there was, like, the, the, the fight and Alabama had everyone except, like, three guys <laughs> get ejected. Yeah, he scored, like, I think he scored, like, 42 playing three-on-five against Minnesota. It was yeah, – it was – he had two guys on him every possession, and he just came down and, like, found a way to get a shot off. And I think he scored, like, 20 of his 40 points after they were down to three players or something like that. But it was it – was, it was unbelievable. It was like he was I, in the park. It yeah. was like he was in the park. I, seriously, I think, honestly, he just kind of – that's that's what he probably just put himself in. Like, all right, let's go. <laughs> I also yeah. think he loved it, man. Like, Colin Sexton's right. hard to get shots up, but he's like, oh, I got to shoot every time now? Okay. I, I could work with this. I could make yeah. this happen. <laughs> yeah, I like this. But – you know, the great thing about him, too, is, like, it's not like he didn't play with other great players. You know, he played with some other talented kids, uh, AAU, and, and even when, when, you know, when he was when he was transitioning over to Pebblebrook, you know, there was some there was some other, you know, high talent, you know, high major players on those teams. And so, you know, he was able, for me, it kind of stood out to see his effect on the game amongst other great players even at a young age. And um, a lot of times for me, uh, those are the things that stand out because um, once you get to another level, there's going to be other great players on the floor with you and everything may not be predicated for you, but what kind of effect can you still have on this game? And, yeah. uh, you know, those was one of the things that, that, that he was always uh, capable of doing was having an effect on the game. He's a tough kid, tough kid. Anything else uh, we want to talk about now, Rob? I got to get my daughter here in about a minute, so uh, I'm gonna leave you guys. I'm trying to think what else was was big today. Uh, what else we got? Well, how about this? We got we got Aunt right here. So, Aunt, I, I want to know what is uh you're a Michigan guy, um, but you watch a lot of Michigan State. So I, I want to know how long is it gonna take things fixed, and what do you think uh, is those gonna be doing moving forward? First of all, first of all. Y'all need to understand that Shaman Williams, I grew up watching this dude when I was like eight years old. Like, <laughs> like I am like, I don't get like starstruck, but the fact that I'm in a room right now with Shaman, just like watching him with like Anton Jameson, Vince and all those guys, um, 
I grew up like a huge UNC fan, and I got my first UNC basketball letter when I was a freshman. Um, that was probably one of the best days of my entire life. And I'm thinking back, and I'm just like, you know, Shaman used to shoot that thing before dude <laughs> shot that thing. You know what I mean? So just being in well, a, like, a room with him is, like, super, super dope. I don't think people will understand that, how big of a UNC fan I was growing up. Got the beanie, got the big coat, just <laughs> Carolina blued out. And I'm walking in the gym in the D.C. area. Everybody right. got on Maryland and Georgetown stuff, you know. So, but I'll yeah. that one over real well, huh? Hey, yeah. I didn't care because 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 I was busting everybody's ass. So like, you couldn't really say much. <laughs> but um, I, I didn't know you were that, from DC. And where 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 in DC were you, did you grow up? <laughs> so I'm from Sterling, Virginia. So that DMV area, like, yeah, I'm yeah. probably like 25 minutes outside. Um, no, I know. I, I I lived in DC for 10 years. Um, okay, okay, yeah. I'm, so my freshman year, I actually went to WCAC school, Bishop O'Connell. Okay. And yeah, then yeah. from sure. from there, yeah, from there, I went to Oak Hill for my last three years. Mm-hmm. So I remember you on Oak so, Hill. Yeah, I remember that Oak Hill team is loaded, right? Yeah, yeah man, I mean, all you're of on them. a couple of them. Yeah, you're on a couple of them, obviously, yeah. but absolutely loaded. I love Steve Smith, one of my favorite people I have dealt with since I started doing this. Like, just you know what? The, the thing I love about Steve, like, he's not a self promoter. At all, at like zero, yeah. zero, and uh, great dude, great dude, good coach, really good. And coach. He's, he's always got a great tan too. I, I was always oh, impressed by how because he's always how golfing. Great, his tan was. Yeah, he's not coaching. He's golfing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but so when it comes so give to us Michigan, your Michigan State, give us your no, no. no we want we want your you Michigan, Michigan State, State take. Right, yeah, you want Michigan like State. State um, yeah. They are, in my opinion, they are a they are a five seed at the two, three, and the four. At yeah. the one and the five, that is a yeah. eight win team. Yeah, you're right. You, and know, you can't be you can't you can't be that way at the one these days. Yeah, you have to be elite at the one, and they don't have a one. I mean, right. they're. Their point guard right now that they're starting and giving the longest leash is six four's last thirty four, is five nine, gets attacked on defense. Like, what do you do? You know what I mean? And he's, he's a he's a, I, I love him, but he, he honestly belongs at a mid major. He'd be great yeah. at a mid major. Yeah, yeah. If that, if that, and right. Right. Like, I just think size nice. wise. I'm trying to be nice, man. I am too. Um, but like, <laughs> no, but like, no disrespect. No, but like, I think that, I think that he he could bring something that like Joe Bohannon is a lot bigger than him, but he can be a Joe Bohannon, a Jordan Bohannon light. You know what I mean? Someone that can you know like hit shots. Steadies the yep. offense, um, but he's just not hitting shots right now, and that's really hurting guys like like uh, Joey Hauser, who needs that spacing to operate because he's a really good post player, but he hasn't been able to show that this year due to the guys around him. Uh, I think that Aaron Henry has been awesome. I think Aaron Henry is probably going to be an all Big Ten player, but that's kind of where it starts and stops 
Rocket Watts didn't really blossom into what a lot of Michigan fans thought that he should be. Um, the rotation, I believe that like, like as of like a week or two ago, you have nine guys that are playing a more than 10 or 15 minutes. And that was the most in the league. That's not a good thing because nobody can get a rhythm. Your better players have a shorter lease than, than, than they should. And, um, I just think that it's it's just a bunch of guys who don't know what their role is outside of Aaron Henry. But yeah, I, would, I, I, would, I would mostly agree with with all of that, um, and I, I think it's very hard to win big at the college level when you don't have really really good um, point guards and uh, really really good bigs. You know, I, I think that that's so important at this level, especially the point guard spot. I mean, like, if you go back and look at the teams that, like, win national titles, not only do they have great league guards, but they play two of them most of the time, like Jalen Brunson and, and Ryan Archidiakono or, um, or like, Nate Britt and, and, and Joel Berry or, uh, or like, Peyton Seaven and Russ Smith played together. Shabazz and, and Ryan Boltwright played together. Shabazz and Kemba Walker played together. You can go back and look over the years, and there's a lot of teams that have those two league guards. I mean, when you don't have one, that kind of puts you behind the eight ball. Yeah. And do you know who will be really good for this Michigan State team? Uh, Miles Johnson from Rutgers. I think he would be awesome for them. That dude rebounds, he rim protects, and he's nasty. Um, he's probably one of the more underrated bigs in the country. I'm not, I'm not sure how much you've watched him. But um, this dude could pop off for 10 to 15 boards – four or five blocks, um, and on the block, he's not that bad. Um, he's one of the better bigs I've seen, um, but he gets overshadowed due to how how good the bigs are in the league. And um, I would never expect coming in having a Michigan State team who's probably – who has a probably has a bottom three five. Bottom three in the in the entire league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, and it's it's weird seeing Izzo have teams that kind of struggle in those positions, especially up front. It always feels like they got someone there, right? And to go from being a team that had Cassius and Xavier at those spots, it's just it's it's such it's such a stark contrast compared to um, to what they were last season. Yeah, and then like. Uh, they they kind of botched I think they botched their I think they botched their 18 I think they botched their 18 and their 19 class when it comes to uh recruiting they had some they had some big misses even guys that like they chose not to re- to uh um recruit like they missed out on Washington Jr at Ohio State they missed out on Arns. I mean, you had his older brother. <laughs> like, how good would that dude be on this team? Just as a shooter, spacing wise. Yeah, I mean, you need you need the shooting, right? But it's it's yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that they got to end up getting figured out. I, I think not having Rocket Watts be ready as a sophomore is yeah. is something that um, has probably hurt them a little bit too. Um, that has and I've hurt. said this. And I've said this before, where I thought, I thought the the uh, the Michigan State staff 
kind of dropped the ball last year. Um, they gave Cassius's backup minutes to Lawyer. Um, and then that wouldn't work out. And then they'd move Watts to the backup. But then there's two or three possessions, but now it's time Cassius to come back in. I thought that they should, should have given Watts those backup minutes um, because now he has film to watch. He knows what, you know, when to attack, when not to attack. He understands he understands pace. He, he understands when to pitch the ball up the court, when to keep it in the middle third for either a flat screen or a screen going left or right. Um, I just don't think Watts has that. Um, he's always like a step or two behind from – the point guard spot just just you know thinking way too much yeah yeah well listen i gotta i gotta jump off here guys because i'm getting yelled at i was supposed to be able to uh go help with bedtime with my my two-year-old so um listen it was fun and shaman always appreciate you guys hopping on and, and and talking some ball everybody that was in the uh in the chat in the room with us um hope you guys enjoyed what you heard uh and we will see you guys again at some point maybe maybe even tomorrow and I think we're going to try to get Stu to go on tomorrow for the uh, after the Michigan-Wisconsin game. So maybe we can talk then. Shaman, always a pleasure, my man. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. And pleasure meeting you, man. Appreciate the nice words. You too, Shaman. All right. Be easy. I'll see you, Rob. See you later, guys.